on today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. Disney Plus has raised its prices significantly for the second time in eight months, almost doubling what it was last year. The Emmy Awards have been moved to 2024, so when they present the awards, there'll be awards that had been voted on five months earlier. Can a Barbie sequel happen without Margot Robbie or Ryan Gosling? And Deadpool 3, you know how we're all looking forward to it? Yeah, well, get comfortable because it's been removed from the release calendar. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me in studio today, we got Ray Ora. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting beside him, Bear Penis Magoo. (laughs) <laughs> it's something you, man. <laughs> Chris oh, Carr. Your followers are gonna shoot to the sky today. <laughs> there was some Freezing stuff going gray. on gonna... <laughs> before the show started recording. That's all I'll say at that. And most importantly, you guys are here. We're so glad you decided to make this show part of your day. Here's how the show's gonna go. Uh, we're gonna start off by listing down and going over all those topics that I listed off, and then the last part of the show. We're going to take topics and questions from our YouTube channel members. For those of you listening on our podcast, we also have a YouTube channel that we put some videos up on every day. And we have a terrific group of supporters known as our YouTube channel members. And hey, you might want to consider becoming a YouTube channel member. We have an ad-free version of the show there for you guys. We have exclusive emojis to be used. We take questions from you every day. We have some town hall meetings. And go check it out. We hope you guys will become a member as well. All right. With that all down, let's get things started here. We're going to start off with this. You know, uh, Disney Plus has raised their prices again. Uh, Just got announced during their Q3 earnings call that they are raising their prices from $10.99 a month for the ad-free plan to $13.99 a month for the ad-free plan. Now, if some of you are thinking, I'm experiencing a Matrix Deja Vu moment, didn't we just talk about Disney Plus raising their prices? Well, as a matter of fact, yes. In December... Disney Plus raised their prices for the ad-free plan from $7.99 to $10.99. That means in eight months, the price of Disney Plus's ad-free plan has gone up almost double. It's gone from about $7 or about $8 to about $14 in eight months. Now... At the time, when they made that price from $7.99 to $10.99, they also introduced the ad-supported plan, where you can watch Disney+, Plus, but with commercials. And you'll pay less. Well, not really less, because they charge you $7.99, which is what, 24 hours earlier, you were paying for an ad-free plan. Then they introduced the commercial-supported plan, and for the same price of $7.99. So now, then they raised it to $10.99 for the ad-free, and now it's up to $13.99. And now it's roughly getting into the same price as all the other stuff. Now, look, in Disney's defense, I have always said that those lower prices were never going to be their normal prices, right? 
And I, I'll tell you what else. $13.99 is not the last price increase. I'll go so far as to say this. By not this Christmas, by, by next Christmas, I believe you're going to be paying $20 a month for an ad-free plan from Disney+. Plus. That all being said, here's the thing. Why would they raise prices right now? I believe, and we did a short video about this on the YouTube channel earlier, but I believe there are three main reasons. Uh, one is to, you know, get more revenue. Uh, their subscriber increases have stopped. So they're kind of flatlining on their subscriber base right now. So the, the only way you can increase revenue is by charging the viewers you have more. And again, I don't think $13.99 is an unreasonable price for what you get for Disney+. Plus. You get a the technical term is a fuck ton. You get a fuck ton of stuff on Disney Plus for 14 bucks a month. So, I mean, there's that. So they want to keep increase revenue. Number two is this. The ad-supported plan at $7.99 is actually going to make Disney more money than the ad-free version. If Chris was an ad-free subscriber to Disney Plus... Yeah, you'd all like that, wouldn't you? Disney would actually be making more money off of Chris if she went down to the $7.99 price line because they'll be getting the $7.99 a month from her plus the value of the ads. And Bob Chapek just made a comment during the Q3 earnings call saying that the demand for now advertising on streaming is greater than it is on traditional cable television now. Advertisers are paying top dollar now for advertising space on streaming. So the part of the increase of price is about strategically trying to drive some subscribers to go down to the $7.99 plan because they'll make more money off them there. The third reason I believe is this, is to create the illusion that the upcoming merger of Disney Plus and Hulu into one entity and the price increase that's coming with it will actually look like a good deal. Because right now, Hulu is getting ready to increase their prices to $18 a month, $17.99 for the ad-free plan. Disney is now basically $14 a month. Well, if you have the Hulu ad-free plan and the Disney ad-free plan, you're, that's $32 a month. But if you get the Hulu Disney Plus bundle, you get it for $19.99 a month ad-free. Now, that sounds like a great deal, but what it really is, it's an illusion. It's a misdirect because we all know that at some point in the not-too-distant future, they're just going to be merging Hulu into Disney+. And when they do, they're going to be able to say, look, you're going to get this new single package for that same price of $19.99. That looks a lot better than saying Disney is now Disney Plus is now going from $10.99 a month up to $19.99 a month. So it's just for perception and the optics of it. And look, Chris, I mean, we all knew, especially when Disney launched at $6.99, yeah. like that isn't going to be the price for long. And we all knew the price were going up. And listen, Disney Plus is still cheaper than Netflix. Are you surprised that they did yet another significant price bump in just eight months? What do you see as being the motivation behind it? When can we expect another price bump? Do you think maybe they're now done with price bumps for a while? I don't know. How do you see this? Oh, I don't think they're done at all. I think um, they're going to keep on a coming. It's one of those things, though, where I believe we're just not accustomed to Disney Plus enough yet that the price increases always do feel very jarring. And certainly $6.99 to $13.99 for a service in a smaller amount of time seems 
kind of bananas. But look at how we all pay so much money for Starbucks. That oh, cup yeah. of coffee over a few years became so much money. Where the other day I went in there and went, oh my gosh, they want to charge me almost $7 for a venti? This is, this is highway robbery. But it's that kind of frog in the pot, right? You just acclimate to that temperature and accept it. Disney's not been around long enough, Disney Plus, I should say, for us to really have that acclimation. However, we all really enjoy this service, so I don't see many people going away from it. Uh, the reason why they're doing this too, I mean, it just has been profitable for them. That's the bottom line here is that the streaming service has not been making the money that they've hoped it would be and they need to start making money on it. They reported on Wednesday 512 million was lost this quarter from Disney's Plus streaming? Yes, but the previous quarter they lost like 2 billion. Yeah, so, so it's so going we're the getting right better. Direction. You know, we're losing less. <laughs> One of the things I love here, though, and, and you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I'm always going to bring it back to the WGA strike, the SAG after strike. One of the big things here, the more ad tiers they have, the more transparent they are going to end up being with their numbers here. Because ad companies, right, the people who are paying to have their ads run on Disney Plus, they all want that data. They get that data. Any advertiser gets the amount of people who are watching a show, streaming a show, etc. So... Every time Disney makes these moves, I go, oh, Bob Iker, I have a marketing background. And also most people aren't idiots. We know you have the data. So when they increase this money and they don't still reveal all of their numbers to certain groups, it just makes me even more suspect of a company. And I don't like it. They need to change things around. And I do think that's one of the reasons why they're pulling the trigger right now on raising these prices, because it's pretty easy to spin. Oh, well, you know, the cost of making these shows is so exponential and these actors and these writers want so much. We got to put it on you, the consumer. Oopsie doodles. And I think that's an optics thing that they might be inching towards. That's me putting on my tinfoil thing? hat. I mean, they did just lose $500 million in one quarter. Yeah. That's not optics. I mean, no. that, that's a no, very no, no. real but thing. But I think from a actual like timing standpoint too, it's, well, you know, if we want to give these these actors and these writers their money too as well as turn a profit i guess we're going to have to charge you all more money i feel like that's kind of part of the timing of this it has to happen either way but i think they're just kind of trying to make the best of a bad situation one of the other thing interesting things that Iger said was that starting in 2024 disney plus is going to kind of follow the netflix trail and start cracking down on password sharing and I remember when that came up with Netflix, a lot of people were saying, oh, this is going to kill Netflix. No one's going to blah, blah. Guess what? The exact opposite thing happened. They they had their biggest spike in new subscriptions in a long time. Now, they also introduced, uh, along with their password crackdown, they introduced a tier where somebody could sign up for cheaper under yeah. somebody else's account. I wonder if Disney... So clearly, Bob Iger is thinking this will be also be our avenue to increase a whole bunch of subscribers. Do you think that'll work for them the way they worked for Netflix? And do you think that on top of cracking down on passwords, they'll also do what Netflix did and say, well, look, if John is a subscriber at $14 a month, he can add Ray to his account and use it himself for like $5 a month. Do you think they'll do that too or just crack down on password? I could see them potentially offering that as an option. Although Disney, I feel, would want to make the most money possible and would be a bit more severe with their password crackdown. That's just my kind of knee-jerk reaction to it. I still stand by Apple TV. They are the best ones about making sure that your password is just used by you yeah. because they just make it so it's annoying to share your password, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I can go anywhere. I can be in another country and, oh, yeah, it's me logging into this. Thanks for letting me just hit okay. But if I'm in the middle of my work day and my little brother wants to, you know, jump onto my Apple account and I have to approve him and put in my passcode, I just get so annoyed with him. And it's just... 
making it inconvenient for me. I think that's what most of them should oh, do. Oh, you get annoyed with us, sir? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Never with you, Ray. Okay. Never with you. All right. <laughs> with that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, the biggest day in the television industry is coming up, or at least was supposed to be coming up in September. The Emmy Awards, the highest honors bestowed on the art of television. So it came out, we went down the other week and talked about all the nominees that came out, big, fantastic list of nominees for a lot of different things, all that kind of good stuff. But a lot of us were wondering, hmm, well, with the actors being on strike, what kind of an Emmy show can you put on? Well, a late one, apparently. Because it's now being reported in The Hollywood Reporter that the awards have been moved to January. This is what they said in The Hollywood Reporter. The Emmy migration is official. Both the live telecast of the Primetime Emmy Awards and the pre-taped creative arts ceremonies are leaving their annual September roost for January in hopes of some resolution to the ongoing labor strike. Uh, after several months of dialogue between the Television Academy and 2023, hmm, make that 2024's Emmy broadcaster Fox, the new chosen date for the Emmy Awards is Monday, January the 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, at the newly renamed Peacock Theater at L.A. Live. That's when Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a federal holiday, falls in this coming year. That'll also mark nearly Five months after the last ballot had been cast, Emmy voting, after all, is proceeding as scheduled, despite the WGA and SAG after strikes, with the final round beginning August 17th and lasting through August 28th. So, by August 28th, all the winners will have been determined. But we're not going to find out who those winners are until August, September, October, November, December, January. Yeah, five months. You have to wait five months for them to announce it. I'll tell you what, I'm torn on this. I really am. Like, I get it. You're not going to have the viewership for your broadcast of the Emmys anywhere near what you would be if Bob Odenkirk is going to be there in person to walk on stage and accept his Emmy. I, I, I get it. I really do. But there's a part of me that feels like for just for the integrity of the awards themselves... There's a part of me that thinks they should just do the Emmys without the actors and without the the writers there, you know, that the actors can get their awards later. The writers can get their awards later. But, you know, you just have people presenting and say that the winner of best supporting actress in a comedy series goes to such and such. And we congratulate them and blah, blah, blah. Now we move on to this category and do it that way because I'll tell you what, moving this thing from September to October, November, December, January, moving this thing four months, that really throws your calendar off. Because not only now have you moved it four months, but the next Emmys <laughs> are just like a rock, a stone throw away. We're sitting on winners that were determined five months earlier. I, again, I get it, but the Emmys are about more <clears throat> than just the telecast. It's more than just the show. The awards are a thing unto themselves. And yeah, part of me just thinks they should get 12 people, 12 members of the, of the uh, Television Academy to do a broadcast and say, here are the nominees this year and here are the winners and we congratulate them and you know present them with their trophies later. I, I, I don't know. It just seems like a four month. If they moved it a week, fine. You move it a month, fine. You move it like six weeks, eight weeks, maybe okay, but... Man, moving at four full months, it seems like a mistake to me. I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, Chris, as a member of SAG and somebody who has been, uh, I would say, unjustly denied her Emmys. My Emmy. 
at this point. They um, have to keep you in the final cut to get an Emmy, John. <laughs> I'm the queen of being cut in live action. Um, what do you think about the decision they made to move it that far away? I mean, obviously, that's they moved it to January hoping that that means all the strikes will be over by then. But what do you think about them moving it that far away? Was this the right move? Should, could they have made it a little bit closer? Should they have moved it further? Should they not have moved it at all? I don't know. How do you feel about it? On one hand, Emmys with actors is so bananas to me. It's it's just decaf coffee. It's no animals at a zoo. Why? Why would you go? What's the point? But that far away, because the Emmy Awards already, too, there's this issue of, well, a show happens so early in the year and we forget about it and these other performances happened. And so sometimes mm. we look somebody over. Patty Constantine comes to mind, right, with that incredible turn on House of the Dragon. But this really, really throws a wrench in things of what shows are going to get nominated and what the timeline is moving forward for votes. Because now I'm trying to figure out who's going to be an Emmy contender at this point for the next season of things. Yeah, for the next, next September's. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really weird. That's a very long period of time. I love the idea of everything being resolved no later than January. Yeah, well, that would that would be that nice. would be really lovely. I'd like it reserved a uh, resolved a whole heck of a lot sooner. But uh, it just really mucks up the rest of the voting for here on out. But again, I just don't know if you want to give out awards without anyone being able to accept them, talk about them, etc. And certainly, no one's going to tune in if you I, yeah. don't have any of the stars. I wonder there. that too with CBS and, and ad revenue. They're like, if you don't have star power here, no one's watching this. We're not going to sell ads. Or Fox yeah. at this point. Or Fox. That's yeah, true. So we're not going to sell ads. I mean, I, I, I agree. Like, look, it's going to have. I'll say to be generous, one fifth of the audience that it would have had, to be generous. But I'm wondering if I'm the Academy of Television. I'm wondering if. Okay, well, we just got to eat it the one year because we got to keep things on a schedule. So, like, again, it's that four-month number. Like, the idea of announcing award winners that were literally voted on half a year earlier, almost five months previous. It, like, I agree. It'll tank your Emmy broadcast. But I just wonder, is the broadcast itself the most important Maybe thing? what they do is they kind of start, so like next year's won't be in September. It'll be like October, November. And then 2025 will be like, October, September, they can kind of wheel it Try back. Try to ease it back. Yeah, yeah. Really ease get it, it back. Fixed back. Yeah. Well, and so much of these award shows too, I, not to sound like a downer, but it really is about promoting other work. While it That's is about yeah. honoring these people who have had wonderful performances, it's also about the people presenting who are there to go. And this uh, pairing who are going to be appearing in Kung Fu Panda 5, blah, blah, blah. You know, so that's another factor in it too is no one can talk about anything and that's half the reason why they do this. Well, the studio execs could talk about the projects. That's very true. I mean, so you could have them coming. I mean, uh, again, I agree. It would make the broadcast a wash. 100% I agree. I, I just wonder if that's the the pill you got to swallow in order to avoid something that might be more damaging. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, maybe we'll all go off without a hitch. We'll see. All right, guys, listen. We still need to talk about the upcoming potential Barbie sequel and, and what parameters it would need to have in order to happen. Also, Deadpool 3 has been completely removed from the release schedule. But before we get to that, we're going to take a second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, 
better help. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental health is something we should all aspire to. I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Campia. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall is right around the corner and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing that dinner is covered. Feel like you would love a wholesome homemade meal, but there's just not enough time? Well, with HelloFresh, all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches too. My wife Ann and I are both working professionals, and dinner time is always stressful and time consuming. And that's one of the main reasons we absolutely love HelloFresh, and we always end up with a great dinner. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, that down, let's get into this, shall we? You know, uh, Barbie is uh, obviously it's it I think it's going to probably end up being whether it catches Mario or not it's going to be the box office story of the year. I mean, a thing came flying out of the gates. It's crossed the billion dollar mark. Its second weekend was big enough to have been in the top 10 biggest opening weekends of the year. Its opening Monday was the seventh biggest Monday box office in the history of cinema. I mean, it's just had legs like you would not believe. It's crossed the billion-dollar mark. Now it's got Mario Brothers in its sights trying to take over the number one uh, box office spot of the year. Now, the question is, are they going to do a sequel? It wasn't really originally intended to be a sequel, but uh, will they do one? And what kind of things would have to be in place in order for them to do it? And that is the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you've got a question for our show or for one of our short YouTube videos, you can go ahead and call in to our Mint Mobile hotline number anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And the question today is, can they do another Barbie without Robbie or Gosling? Check it out. 
John, it's Tori. I've been thinking, if they come out with a Barbie 2, do you think Margot and Ryan will actually come back? And if they don't, is it even worth seeing? Thank you. All right, Tori. Thanks a lot for calling that in. And, you know, there's actually, in such a short message, there's actually a whole bunch to unpack, right? Okay, first of all, if they do a Barbie 2, I think that's a foregone conclusion, right? You, you can't come out of the gate. And while Margot Robbie may have been telling the WB executive she thought the Barbie movie could be a billion-dollar film, nobody at Warner Brothers thought Barbie could be a billion-dollar film. They thought it could make money. They thought it could be a hit. But they weren't thinking it could be a billion-dollar movie. So when a movie comes out of nowhere, it doesn't matter if you think it's a one-and-done. That thing makes a billion dollars, a.k.a. Joker. You start talking about sequel. And you start talking about doing more of them. Of course you do. Now, the, the second question you would have there to unpack is, would Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling even return? Now, the problem with both of them is that neither of them signed on to do multiple films. So you would have to negotiate with both of them. And oh boy, the pay raise that they each of these two are going to ask for. And of course they will. When this movie makes like 1.1, however many billions of dollars it's going to end up getting, you know they're going to ask for a hell of a lot of money going to this. Margot Robbie, it's going to be a little bit easier. She's one of the producers in the film. And not just a producer in just title only. She was actually a, a functioning producer on this thing. So yeah, you're going to be able to get her back. Ryan Gosling? Eh, probably. He seemed to have a blast making this movie. So there's that. Would the movie even be worth watching? if it wasn't for Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, if, if they don't come back, would a sequel even be worth watching? 100% absolutely yes, right? What if this Barbie movie got made with two other performers? And it was you know, still directed by Greta Gerwig, still as good as it was, still made all the money it did, but they wouldn't come, those actors wouldn't come back, but Margot Robbie and this guy named Ryan Gosling would come back in a sequel. Well, we know that would be great. So yes, 100%, if they wanted to do a Barbie sequel, if it didn't have Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, yes, it could still very well be worth seeing. Could be awful, but it could be even better than the first one. Could be, who knows? So uh, yeah, there's all that. But man, I'll tell you what, I, I gotta share this. You know, a while ago, talking about the legs of this movie, we opened up talking about just the incredible staying power the Monday to Friday week over week drop of Barbie and it's now going into its third week. It's past its third weekend, heading to its fourth weekend, only had a 32% drop from the previous weeks. That's insane. That's insane for a movie that's making as much money as this is. The longevity and the legs and the staying power of this movie is crazy. So much so that I saw my social media go around. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I really don't know much about Ben Shapiro. When I made my video about Barbie, a lot of people said, oh, you're clearly making this in response to Ben Shapiro. I'm like, I've never seen a Ben Shapiro video in my life. You're I mean, I know, so lucky. I know who he is. I, I So I have I nothing good nor bad to say about the gentleman. I, I know who he is, but I've never seen anything from him, right? But in the last couple of days after Barbie crossed the billion dollar mark and now is heading on a journey where it may end up being the number one box office film of the year, a bunch of people started circulating this video clip of Ben Shapiro uh, upon the opening of Barbie uh, talking about its potential for having some longevity. Uh, Jonathan, you got this queued up? Got it. Che check this out. Week one, this thing is going to clean up at the domestic box office. My prediction is going to fall just off a cliff. absolutely fall off a cliff after that. The repeat business on this movie is going to be non-existent because it was written by two people who are so smug and self-satisfied, and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, 
that they have no audience. It's gonna Week fall one, off gonna a cliff. Up its repeat business is gonna be non-existent, and there's no audience for it. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, hey, listen. In Ben Shapiro's defense, there is somebody in this room who did not think Barbie would get to a billion dollars. Me, I I didn't think it would get to a billion dollars. <laughs> now, I thought it was gonna be a hit. I thought it was going to make a lot of money, <clears throat> but I, I mean, I didn't see it crossing a billion dollar mark. And listen, it's not, I've also thought like six months out from a movie that I think this movie will do this, this movie will do that. But then, you know, when you get to the week of release, I've, I've like maybe a week or two before it comes out. Now that I've seen the marketing and I've heard the buzz and I felt what's going on, I've changed what I thought a movie could make, whatever. This was after he saw it. <laughs> And said, it's going to fall off a cliff, non-existent repeat, repeat business. Yeah, this is, this is one that didn't. And I say that to somebody myself who didn't think it would make a billion. But at any rate, Chris, I want to go to you on this. So there's a whole bunch to unpack. Would Margot and Ryan come back? Can you even do it without Margot and Ryan? Do, would there even be, an, can you recapture that lightning in a bottle that you seem to get? And a little bit of a spoiler. Barbie spoiler, put up a spoiler warning if we've got that oh. handy. Spoiler warning for, for everybody here, okay? All right, for, for the ending of Barbie. Got it? Mute, mute your computer until the spoiler warning comes down. Got it? All right. She ends up human at the oh end. Oh, my God. So, I mean... <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. I saw So, that. there's that. Okay, so you can she take the spoiler warning down now. She ends up human with a vagina. All right, hang on. Okay. Man. Now we're going to take the spoiler warning. Okay, so take, now we're right. taking the spoiler warning down. <laughs> it's still... There we go. It's gone now. But so, like... Can they do it? Will they do it? Can you do it without those two? Do they have to come back? I don't know. How do you see all that? In theory, you can do it without them because there are so many Barbies and Kens. They're just yeah. one set of dolls. They're stereotypical dolls. You could do that with anyone else. But do you want to? It's mm, that yeah. could versus should kind of situation. Ken and uh, he's just Ken, but he did it's great like in human this. penises on a bear. It's could versus should. <laughs> right. When you get that mod option, you know, do you take it or do you go with what you know? So, man, the stuff we talk about before the before show, the show so starts goes up. off the rails. <laughs> I see nothing wrong. <laughs> we had an HR department. Goodness gracious. So... <laughs> I think you could do this without them, but I don't know why you would. The Hollywood Reporter actually put out a great article earlier this morning about the lightning in the bottle quality of this movie and how if you think it's just about it being based on a beloved toy, you didn't really get the movie. Yeah. Um, and how Mattel seems to be really pushing that aspect of it of, well, we've got lots of toys that people like, so maybe we'll do that. You know, this movie just captured something really, really special for audiences. And I don't know if you can achieve that without this cast, without these writers, without these directors. Also, Ben Shapiro, in, in what world has Greta Gerwig ever been anything but lovely and earnest and gracious in interviews? I have never seen a smug side of that human being. I don't know where that came from. No, like from. That, that, that comment to me was particularly asinine. That, like, I, like, for instance, I'm the one person in the world that didn't like Lady Bird. I, I didn't like, like some. Per, a lot of people say it's her best film. I think it got her a nomination for best director. Did, yeah. I think it got nominated Sir for Sharon best picture, all that kind of stuff. stuff. I was bored to tears by that movie, I'll be honest with you. But she has never come across as anything but absolutely delightful. It's just yeah. low hanging fruit for his audience to be like, you know, Hollywood elite with no proof. That's what uh, it felt well, okay. like, yeah, I where it was, it. man, because you can, you can dislike a movie and not have to poop on everybody involved in it. I don't see the point in that. And I also just feel like it completely discredits you. I'm not a fan in general of 
his particular brand of commentary. But that just, it's so unnecessary. It's so easy to not be mean. I don't know why people do this. I do love that the picture he used in that video, they look so nice and pleasant. They're just like, <laughs> they're just standing there smiling. How I, dare uh, these uh, Hollywood and, and All honesty, that video clip yeah. is the first video of Ben Shapiro I've ever seen. I I've, I've never last. seen anything. Else. So I, I have nothing negative to say about the gentleman. I have no, I have nothing to say like, negative about because I've never seen any video. I'm just saying I just thought it, that was a funny video. Yeah. yeah and in terms of just like them and his comments about them personally, it's like yeah, the photo was, he used for his production, they just look so pleasant. They're they just look like, so fun. They're sweet. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can do this without everybody who was involved. And frankly, I don't know. Not every movie needs a sequel. Not everything has to become a cinematic universe. And we live in this time where everyone is pushing for a franchise. And I get why. I totally get that. Because you want to make money. It is the movie industry. It's the entertainment industry. It is a business that is meant to make money. But some things deserve to stand on their own. Uh, weird kind of comparison here, but the movie Elf. You know, Will Ferrell and John Favreau have talked ad nauseum about we don't want to make a sequel to this because it's perfect on its own. We want to just let it be what it is. And I kind of am feeling that way about Barbie of just let Barbie be. But, you know, I, see, I I mean, there's there's a lot to that argument. But the reason it's never held for me is because let's take, for example, Hangover and Hangover 2, right? The Hangover was never made with a sequel in mind. Correct. Right? And then they made a sequel and the sequel was nowhere near as good as the first one. But like for me... I got excited when they said they were going to do a sequel because I was just so delighted by that movie and those characters. I just wanted to hang out with those characters again. Sure. And even though the second movie was not great, it didn't diminish the brilliance and the wonderfulness of the first film for me, right? So I saw, like when I came out of Barbie, and again, I really liked Barbie. I didn't love it, but I, I really liked it. But man, I'm telling you what, coming out of the theater... There was a lot of people who loved it. And you could just tell they would get great joy out of the ability two years from now to be able to go back to the theater again and revisit this Barbie sure. land with these characters. Even if it ended up being a dud. So, I I mean, I get where Favreau and Farrell are coming from. Totally do. I get it. There's something you said about leaving something special alone. But, I mean, when you see how much joy this thing brought people, not me in particular, but I saw a lot of joy in a lot of people's faces. Eh, yeah, if there's, if there's things further to be said, then sure. If there's yeah. a reason to do it that's not just let's make money. I agree. Then then why not? And the problem with Mattel, though, and we've said this before, it's the same problem that Nintendo's going to face. Like if Mattel now thinks, because we've read these reports that Mattel's like 40 different things now. They're trying mm -hmm. to line up and develop the movies. Listen, if any of you guys are watching from Mattel, listen to me. Okay, you sitting down? Listen. Listen, okay? You don't have anything else that's like Barbie. You just don't, okay? Duke Action Man or whatever other thing you have, it ain't as popular as Barbie. It doesn't have the beloved emotional connections with people that Barbie does. You don't have anything else that's Barbie. Same thing, that's going to be the problem that Nintendo faces. Is that like once Super Mario Brothers came out and everybody and made a billion dollars, everybody starts saying, turn all these Nintendo properties, but they don't have anything else that's Mario. I mean, Mario's Mario, mm -hmm. Mario's and he's Mario. alone, right? I mean, Zelda, maybe. Yeah, but we maybe. said that's the that's only the other second. thing that they have, mm -hmm. right? 
that could, that could have almost that kind of appeal. And I just don't know that Mattel's got anything other, other than a Barbie 2. I just don't know that they have anything else they it, could get I there. I have a question. It's not about a sequel, but it's about Barbie. I mean, I know it's Warner Brothers, but they also did it with Harry Potter. Do you think we get a Barbie land-like set piece at a Universal Studios or someplace? I'll tell you what. I would go so quickly. Because I'm not the biggest fan of this Barbie movie. I'd be there day one. Because mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, even though I'm not a, a, a Potterhead, I love going to Universal Studios and going into the Wizarding yeah. World. You're immersed. Because yeah. you are so totally immersed. Yeah. And Super Mario World there. Oh my gosh. And, and, oh my God. And now there's Super Mario. You walk in. Like, I told you this, I think. When Anne and I first walked into uh, Super Nintendo World, at Universal Studios Hollywood. You go through the green pipe, you hear the bloop, 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 yeah, bloop, and then you come out into this pipe. Nintendo world and stopped and wept. Mm -hmm. Like it's incredibly immersive. And I'll tell you that Barbie, I mean, you recreate you this, this Barbie land, <laughs> you would be instantly immersed in that world. I, I would visit it. I would go there and I'm not Hell even yeah. the biggest fan of the movie. So hell yes, they should totally get on that. I would want my ashes spread there. Well, you're you're welcome, WB and Universal, for that Good grand job. idea of mine. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they're already man. thinking about it. it. Doesn't matter. Disney should see if they can get the rights to it and replace their Star Wars land mm -hmm. with it. Do don't, you not like it? Listen, there are oh, elements. You don't go to Disney. There are elements of of the uh, Galaxy's Edge is mm -hmm. what the Star Wars land at Disney Park is called. There are elements of it that is fantastic. The Rise of the Rebellion ride. Incredible. The Millennium Falcon ride, incredible. However, when I walk through the streets of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, every nook and cranny makes me feel like I'm in the movie. Mm -hmm. Nothing at Galaxy's Edge looks familiar other than the Millennium Falcon sitting there. The buildings are not from any of the movies that I grew up watching. Yeah, it's, a new, it's like a new planet. It, it's, it's a brand new world that they created that's off in some distant world. part of the galaxy. It's, a desert it, place you never knew. You know, seeing, like seeing an X-Wing... Over there, that looks great. Seeing the Millennium Falcon is incredible, but everything else. Yeah. When you walk into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Universal Studios, every detail is immersing you in a Harry Potter movie. And the Super Nintendo World, every detail on every brick is nostalgia infused. I never got that. At, and I like, I liked Galaxy's Edge, but I never got that feeling at Galaxy's Edge like I got it at Potter World or at Nintendo World. It's just, uh, which is one of the reasons why I don't go back to Disney Parks anymore. That's fair. Fuck you, Disney Parks. You suck. <laughs> I love you. You can send me things all the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I like uh, Disneyland. I don't like their policies, and I haven't been back since they did the, I know they're taking the reservations away, but then there's the ride reservations. I, I'm with you on those. Plus, so, they make you wear a shirt. Now. I don't know how to go to the park they, anymore. What? They, <laughs> they make you wear shirts. <laughs> They're oh, oh like, I thought you meant like a special shirt you had no, to put on. No, no, just no. you're not allowed yeah. to There was this like dumb TikTok tech lie where it was like, if you show up in a bikini top, Disney will give you a free shirt. No, they won't. They'll just ask they'll you just to go put go. a shirt on. Go buy one. That's it. Yeah, go buy a shirt. I'll start showing up in a bikini top. Give me my shirt. <laughs> All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this really sucky piece of suckage. So one of the most exciting, fabulous pieces of entertainment news I've ever been privileged to cover in my 20-year career doing this was when they announced that Deadpool 3 is coming and it's going to finally have Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman on screen together as Wolverine and Deadpool. One of the greatest pieces of entertainment news I've ever had the privilege of covering. Ken could not wait. And then the news got even better. When a while ago they announced that they were actually significantly moving the release date of it up 
way up early to May of 2024. We're in August now, so September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, eight, nine months away. One baby away from Deadpool 3 with Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds. Amazing. Couldn't wait. Well, now, they were in the midst of frantically shooting the film. Pictures like the one Jonathan just had up of, of we've got these set pictures of Wolverine and Deadpool on set and all this kind of stuff. The movie was happening. They were making it. What's he doing to Hugh? Acting. <laughs> <laughs> Acting. Yeah, he's giving him a little goose there, apparently. Yeah. So What? They... <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Ray, no Ray, has, Ray has questions. So, but then the actor strike hit. They, they were shooting just fine with the writer strike going on, but then the actor strike hit. And that shut production down. And with the movie just being nine months away and not finished shooting yet, and no end in sight right now, a lot of us started to suspect that maybe that May 2024 date wasn't going to hold. Well, it did more than that. It disappeared. Because in that Q3 Disney earnings call they did yesterday, they ran down the list of all the movies coming out and completely absent from their release calendar now was Deadpool 3. Uh, here's a look at the release calendar as they have it now. Now, this is, of course, under the Disney umbrella. You got 20th Century Fox, Searchlight, Disney, Marvel, stuff like that, Pixar. So you got Haunting in Venice, The Creator, The Marvels coming up November 10th. Uh, Next Goal Wins, that's the new Taika Waititi movie. The animated film Wish, which looks really interesting. The Bike Riders, which I admittedly know nothing about. Uh, Magazine Dreams, the Jonathan Majors movie. Poor Things with Emma Stone. All of Us Strangers, the new Pixar film Elio. Uh, the Snow White movie on March 2020, uh, 20, March 22nd. On May 24th comes Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which was, was going to be the same month that Deadpool came out. And then Inside Out to June 14th. No... Deadpool 3. Now, we made a, a short video about this on the YouTube channel earlier today about, okay, well, why not just announce a new date? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for them not announcing a new date. I think one of the reasons is with Ryan Reynolds' schedule, I think right now it's becoming a question mark as to when they're even going to be. Let, let, let's say the strike does end in September. Well, I would not be surprised at all if Ryan Reynolds is already contractually obligated to be on set of another movie to be shooting another film come September. They would have been wrapped production principal photography on Deadpool by September easily. And he's probably contractually obligated to be somewhere else in September or October at that point. And I think part of it is just that they got to have to figure out. And it's not just Ryan Reynolds. You've got literally a thousand people that are working on this movie. And they had their next thing planned and scheduling. Oh my God, guys, the logistics of this are going to be a nightmare to get this back on board. That leads to the second thing is I simply just think they don't know when they're going to be able to have this thing ready to be released now. And you know what? I hate being the bearer of bad news. My feeling, it's only a feeling, no insider information. I could be wrong about this. My feeling is when they do announce a new release date, it ain't going to be June or July mm -hmm. or August or September, I think when they do announce a new one, because of all the scheduling and all that kind of stuff, I think we're talking October, November, December, or even January of 2025. I think this thing's going to be delayed by a lot. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think this is going to be a short delay your, with all the other stuff going on. What's that? Yeah. And to your point, you know, this is his upcoming stuff, not counting Deadpool. There's nine things here. 
And that's just his upcoming stuff. Yeah, Detective Pikachu sequel, Dragon's Lair movie, uh, Red what? Notice 2, I don't, okay. Yeah. Clue, every, whatever these are, you know, yeah, Imaginary Friends. Oh my God, I forgot about his Clue movie. Boy Band. So he's got stuff coming up. Oh, I mean, I busy. think some of that stuff might be shot, but yeah, I, I mean, the guy's schedule is packed and it's contracts. He's <laughs> got a contract. So, and then that's not even to mention Hugh Jackman's schedule on top of all that. I mean, so it's going to be tough. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. Are you surprised by this? I mean, I don't think anybody's surprised that it moved, but the fact that it's completely off the release schedule now, and when do you think we could actually get to have eyes on this? Yeah, completely removed is concerning. Uh, Real quick, The Bike Riders is a very stacked cast movie about a Midwestern uh, motorcycle club. Um, oh, I'm interested already. Yeah, it's Michael Shannon, it's Judy Comer, it's Austin oh, Butler. Oh, I do it's... know about this movie. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. I'm. Yeah, this I want to see this. Looks very, very interesting. The oh my goodness. The bike riders, she said. Um, the bike riders, uh. yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's odd to see Deadpool three not on here at all. That is very, very troubling to me. And you know, our our last big writer strike, we obviously had a lot of casualties of that. Shows that like Better Off Ted or Pushing Daisies, freshman or sophomore shows that didn't get to go on. It's really wild to see big films being so affected because of both the WGA and the writers striking right now, or, and the actors striking right now. It makes sense, but you would think something that has Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and a wildly popular set of characters would still be listed on here at the forefront of you know Disney's minds. This is going to make us so much money. We need to make sure it's still on the calendar. That really troubles me that it's not on here at all. And it makes me think they are going to push it back quite a bit, like Jonathan said. I I don't love that at all. That here's, makes me very upset. Here's another problem, too. This becomes, this becomes problematic for Hugh Jackman because Hugh Jackman was very public about one of the reasons he was so excited about stepping away from Wolverine was he hated his life having to keep his body in that shape. The, he, on many interviews, talked about the diet he followed, yep. the workout schedule he had. He's like, I can't do that anymore. And, my, and he decided, I can do it one more time for, for Deadpool 3. Let's do it. But now he's going to have to maintain that for however long it's going to take them to be able to get back on set again and start shooting. I mean, look at that freaking. How old is Hugh Jackman again? Too old to be doing that. Oh, my gosh. Somebody look that up. Timeless. I mean, <laughs> like, and that... That's like three months of work. He's 54. He's 54. Just killing himself. He's looking like better than he's ever looked. Uh, And so he's going to have to now maintain that for however long. And that's going to become problematic for Hugh because he doesn't want to live that way anymore. Well, no. And if he is taking this time too, Ryan obviously has, you know, the Wrexham team. He's got uh, all of his marketing endeavors and everything as well. Lots of other projects. Hugh, when he's not making films, yes, he has a coffee company and some other things and charitable companies. He does theater. He does yeah, he loves a doing lot the of theater, a lot of musical theater. And that is a very different kind of workout and body maintenance too. The more muscle you have, depending on what kind of dancing you're doing, obviously, but that's going to weigh you down. If he's yeah. doing a ton of tap dancing or things like he's done for Music Man, it's a very, very different diet. It's a very different workout regimen. And that's the kind of stuff that seems to light him up and that he has the most fun doing, it seems, lately, too. So That ain't Broadway, Bod? I mean, <laughs> I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I'd watch him tap dance. I'd watch him fold laundry. Actually, that would probably do it more for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. 
With that now down, we're going to move on and start taking questions from our YouTube channel members. But before we get to those, uh, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, we're going to take a moment here and thank the other sponsor of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show podcast all right guys that down let's get over to our youtube channel members topics and questions shall we chris what do we got up here first from shay everybody has given ryan and margo praise for their performances in barbie but can we talk about rhea perlman mm -hmm. in her short time on screen she was phenomenal especially at the end I was in tears. I forgot how long it's been since I've seen Rhea Perlman I on screen. I love her. Like, I, I'll, dead serious, I'm sure I have, but I cannot remember seeing her between the end of Cheers and now. I, I don't recall seeing her. And she was wonderful. And you know what? All the supporting people in Barbie were really great. From America Ferreira, who, who had more of a major role, but she was incredible. Um, Freaking Michael... Uh, uh, played Alan. Oh, oh Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. Right. Michael Sarah, who I'm not the biggest Michael Sarah fan. He was great, he was great as, as Alan. Alan. He was so great as Alan. Like all the other Barbies and all the cast. The supporting cast was all great. But yeah, real, real promo. Is she, are her and Danny still married? Oh, yeah. Her and Danny DeVito still married so. after yeah. all these years? Yeah, she was really I know moving she, in that. She guested on It's Always Sunny. Um, this past oh, did year. she? Yeah. I've never watched It's Always Sunny. So it's I got I, that's one of those shows I got to watch one of these days. All right, what's next? From uh, Carmel Smith, John watched Oppenheimer last night on a 70 millimeter IMAX at the Cineplex yesterday. And my God, the movie was so good and didn't feel like three hours passed. And Jonathan, I miss movies with the old film grains in it. Going to watch again in the coming weeks. All right, I'm going to say something that sounds like it's a contradiction, but but I mean both. Oppenheimer, I believe right now, is my second favorite movie of the year. It's amazing. I love it so much. Now, normally, with really great movies that you love, you say you didn't feel the time at all. I It very much, to me, felt like a three-hour movie. Like I could feel how long the movie was, but I didn't mind it. That's the thing. The movie's just so great that I didn't mind it. I mean, could Oppenheimer have been a bit shorter? I think so. It had a little bit of the... Uh, um, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, four different endings kind of thing going on, but I, I loved it nonetheless. So I, at the same time, completely beloved it. My second favorite movie of the year so far. And yet I did feel the runtime of it a bit, but that's, that's just me. All right. What's next? Oh, 
Um, also, Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito are still married, but separated, according to People Magazine this year. They'll work it oh, out. Okay. They'll work it out. But they're, and they're still very good friends. Subways will bring them back together again. Yes. Oh, no, that's no, Jersey he, Mike's. He, Jersey yeah. Mike's will bring Jersey them back together. <laughs> all right, what's next? From Alan, I can't be a crew. Thank you all for your coverage of the summer movies. Since I've been following your show, it made me really excited to see as many movies in theaters this summer. I can honestly say that I'm glad that I went to the movies over staying at home. Uh, Thanks again for all you do. You know what? The I think the single greatest thing I love hearing um, is people saying they went to see a movie because we talked about it and had a good time. Just feeling like we had something to do, uh, however small of a part of you going out and having a great experience, having a good time. That That's ultimately, look, we are all here huge movie fans and we love the movie experience. And when you can, in whatever it is you love, help get other people on board with that, that's great. So thank you so much for sharing. That's one of the best things you can share with us. So thank you so much. We're glad you're one of our uh, members of our community. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher. Have you seen Good Omens season two yet? Yes. I really liked it, but I thought season one was better. David Tennant, Michael Sheen, and John Hamm were all brilliant. I really hope it gets a season three because the setup for season three was super interesting. And Neil Gaiman has said that season three is mostly written as the actual sequel book he and Pratchett were going to write, with season two acting as a bridge. Season. Really like season one, but you know how I've been really late in starting to watch Star Trek Strange New World season two? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't started watching Good Omens season two yet either. I've Actually, to be honest with you, I've forgotten about it. And I really like season one. Have you watched season two yes. yet? How yeah. is it so far? It's precious. It's a very different kind of, it is a bridge and it's more of let's explore some relationships and things like that and a setup kind of thing. So it kind of serves more as, hey, there's this novel and then here's a, a novella in between before we get to the actual sequel is how I kind of feel about it. it. I love that series so much though. Most of our London trip was going to Good Omens filming locations. You know, it's funny. Michael Sheen, you see his character in this. My first exposure to Michael Sheen was as a very different kind of character. It was in um, the vampire werewolf. Underworld? Underworld. Yeah. When he played Lucian, the the werewolf, the lead lead werewolf. Like, do you think that guy is this guy in Good Omens? Like, he's such... And then, of course, he was in... uh, He played the Prime Minister of Britain and all the stuff with the Queen. And, like, he's such a diverse amazing He's actor. incredible. He's so good. Well, and gives so much money to charity too. He Does just he? seems, yeah, he seems like a lovely human being as well. And what's fun is that he and David Tennant so many times were up for the same roles. Really? They just hadn't worked together until this show happened. And, and now they're just like the little buddy team that I never want to go away. They're so precious. He's also the subject of one of the most awkward Hollywood gossip stories because I, from what I understand, if this way, so he and Kate Beckinsale were married, I believe. And then they did Underworld together on set of which Kate Beckinsale met the director, obviously, because they're working together. And she left Michael Sheen for the director. <laughs> so, which always, which made it really, really interesting when they when Michael Sheen came back to reprise the role, I thought that's an inter- that's an interesting dynamic. Um, anyway. All right. What's next? <laughs> From Red One Real Talk. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> From Red One Real Talk. While many fi- sci-fi films can have stories that leave much to be desired, the genre always introduces ideas that I've adored. Are there sci-fi films you didn't love but introduced concepts that you thought were really cool? Elysium is one that always comes to mind for me. I'm glad somebody got something out of Elysium. Oh. Um, 
But okay, you know what? That said, um, speaking of Elysium, directed by Neil Blomkamp, we saw a movie directed by Neil Blomkamp last night. I did too. It I was. liked it. I don't know. Well, you were all just so excited about it. I didn't. I I liked it. I didn't. Th- you know, again, it's not going to be top five favorite no, movie of mine of the year. It's good. Yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy. Like, listen, it's got it's some. Fun. I said in the out of the theater review really that it. it's got some cringy, stereotypical uh, stuff that you expect in this kind of thing. I thought the movie should have been a good half hour shorter than it was. But the, the car romance. racing scenes were thrilling. Mm-hmm. It had characters I rooted for. Um, I I surprisingly had a good time watching this movie. I think Ray and it had kind of a rocky kind of ending yep. to it, uh, minus Adrian. But you know what? The whole girlfriend aspect should have been cut out of the Get movie. Get rid of it. No yeah, point. Didn't need to be there. Uh, anyway, back to your thing. I don't know. I, <laughs> I I don't know if I can think of a sci-fi movie that I didn't necessarily like, but I loved a concept of it, or I loved a, a premise or an idea elevated in it. Not really. You know what? We were just talking about Underworld. Is like supernatural fantasy the same as sci-fi? I, I don't know. But Underworld is kind of one of those things where I did not love the original Underworld movie, but I was dying for a sequel because it introduced this concept. It wasn't about werewolves versus vampires to me. It was this whole concept in Underworld of this notion of the hierarchy within vampires that there are actually three elder vampires who have this rule, two asleep, one awake. And then the one who's ruling goes to sleep for 200 years. And then the, one, then the next vampire up who's been asleep for 200 years is awoken, and then they rule for 100 years, and then so on and so forth. And they, they hopscotch or leapfrog through time doing that. I loved the concept of that. I thought it was amazing. You know what reminds me of a lot? Uh, foundation right now. Where you have Empire, mm-hmm. uh, Brother Dawn, Brother Day, Brother Night. Like that whole concept to me is like fascinating and I love that. But I did not necessarily love Underworld as a movie. Do you guys have any movies like that where there's an element of it that you really liked even if the movie itself didn't blow you away? I mean, I suppose staying on Blumkamp, I loved the idea of Chappie. The execution yeah. of Chappie, however, left something Ooh. to be desired. Yeah, did not like yeah. that movie. All right, what's next? From Marcus Hey, John, when you look at the Disney calendar for the upcoming fiscal year, the only theatrical MCU movie until after June 2024 is the upcoming Marvels. Yep. How much is riding on the Marvels now? And do you think it's received poorly that with the long break in between films, it could it could set an even worse public narrative for the MCU? Some would argue that if the movie is received negatively, that a bit of a break might serve them well. I would argue that. Yeah, I, I think there'd be a lot of people who say like, after if something's bad, give it a little bit of a break. Then there's the other train of thought of get back on the horse as quick as you can. I, I'm not really sure. Look, I've got confidence in the Marvels. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of confidence that it's going to be a huge hit, but I think the movie's going to be good. I, I like what I've seen so far. Just the fact that you've got Kamala Khan in there Iman Vellani, good Canadian girl playing Ms. Marvel. I, I know I'm going to be delighted by just having her in there. She is one of the most wholesome, wonderful additions to the MCU. Um, honestly, the two, the only two real additions to the MCU that I've completely loved has been Simu Liu as, as Shang-Chi and, and Iman Vellani as Ms. Marvel. Uh, so having her in there is going to be great. But, man, I'll tell you what. It would re- 
Disney really needed Guardians 3 to be great. Yeah. And it was great. And it made a bunch of money. And they really needed that. It would be great if they could follow that up with another strong performance. Um, like if if the Marvels can crack like 700 million, 750 million, get a good critic and audience score, that'll serve them really well, even with the break. Yeah. So we'll see. I think this break also does give Disney and to some degree even DC gun a little bit more of a lead to get all their ducks in a row. Marvel needs to restructure some things. They do. Um, now you have the VFX uh, unionizing thing going on. So imagine all of this and in the middle of scheduling all these productions. This really gives them a chance to focus. That's true. Yeah. Here's hoping they were able to do something with it. Side quest. I watched Guardians 3 for the first time since seeing it in theaters the other night. And it's so much worse when you know what's going to happen where every flashback, I already started crying. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was just like two and a half hours of me being an absolute puddle of a human being. I was, duh. Look at that. Look at Floor. Look at that little <laughs> rabbit. I love her so much. Anne and I actually sat down for the first time since seeing in theaters to watch it last week ourselves with a couple mm -hmm. of friends who hadn't seen it come over. And as soon as Floor came on screen, Anne's like, oh, I forgot. And she's like, yep. she, she starts crying. At the God. Damn you, James Gunn. Damn you. Oh. All right. What's next? From uh, Red One Real Talk, hey crew, have you heard about Ben Kingsley's new film, Jewels? It looks like very similar to uh, E.T., e. but centers a group of elderly folks that discover an alien. I saw a poster for this last well, night. that sounds more like a cocoon. More of a feeling of cocoon. I was yeah, more of a cocoon. <laughs> more of a cocoon sort of feeling. Um, again, I, I haven't watched it. I have not heard great things about it. Uh, I've heard that Ben Kingsley being Ben Kingsley is wonderful in it, but I've heard it's... It kind of drops the ball at any rate. It, at least it's what I've heard. But if you've seen it, enjoy it. That's great. But I have not had a chance to see it myself. Just the when I read the synopsis of it, though, to me, it really screams more Cocoon. Which reminds me, I need to go back. I need to watch Cocoon again. Um, what's the name of the star of it again? Steve from uh, Police Gutenberg. Academy. Gut Gutenberg, Gut yeah, right? The Goots. Um, Gutenberg was an interesting dude. The Goots? Yeah. The Goots. That's his name, The Goots. Not he was an interesting dude. Like between Police Academy, um, Three Men and a Baby, mm -hmm. Cocoon, Johnny Five, or what's the name of the movie with Johnny Five? Short Circuit. Short, Short circuit. circuit. Like there was a period that he was really a big hot thing and then he kind of just kind of just disappeared. He didn't really survive the 90s in that way. Yeah. Know? Which is where he was really, really funny. <laughs> you know what's funny about Cocoon? Is they all play really elderly people. But they but, weren't all that old. Wilfred Brimley was only 51. <laughs> and they're like, I've got a cane and I'm dying. Wilfred Brimley always looks like he was 80, though. though. so different than what it is now. Well, I mean, like, high school kids in the 80s looked 40, so. very, very true. I keep waiting for Gutenberg to show up in Stranger Things. Ooh. Like, that, that would be, be a natural yeah. fit. Right? 100%. Yeah. I like so, that. So when those kids are 30 but and they do the himself. next season, yeah. <laughs> he just shows up in town. <laughs> the guy hey, the kids. <laughs> All right, we the got time for two more. What's here. next? From Marcus, <laughs> do you think Blade still happens after the strikes are over? And if it does, is it without <laughs> Oh, Marcus, Marcus, I'm sorry, buddy, but I've had, that ship has sailed. I'll tell you what. The snort that came out from over here. Well, Ray, well, oh, Ray was saying. Uh, every time I hear Blade, it just happens to come out. Oh. Well, Ray was bringing up before an actor strike, some serious doubts <laughs> that this movie was ever going to really actually happen. Well, you know, I think positive. But but in reality, again, let's be honest, before there was even an actor strike and a writer strike, 
a lot of us have been feeling doubts at this movie. It's been years since they announced this thing. I think we're over three years now from when they made the announcement that the not one, but two times. Two times. Two times. Academy Award winner Mahershala Ali was going to play Blade. Now he's playing Whistler. Now he's playing Whistler. <laughs> Come on, that was our, that was real easy, job. That was you good. Really like that. Easy. I like that. That was you good. Like now he's going to be playing Whistler. <laughs> I mean, I, I think by the time this movie comes out, because how old is he right now? He, we looked this up. He is. He's 51 He's older than Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. He's older than Wilford Brimley was. He, I forgot how to spell He's 51 or 52 now. So let's say this movie comes out in three years. Let's say they, they manage it. 49. Some, Oh, he's only 49 now. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's two years younger than Wilfred Brimley was. So the movie only be, he'll only be about 52 by the time the first movie comes out. I mean, which is fine. But if you're looking for somebody to play the role for a long time, I, you know what? Let's do one and done. I will give it an 80% chance that this movie is going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, I, I, but I do have that 20% of doubt. I do. But anyway, we'll see. All right, what's next? All uh, right, here we go. From the Super Ranger Mud Truck. Hey, John, do you think if the WGA and SAG strike continues on a while longer, we will see a gap down the line in time where there aren't any movies in theaters? And when do you think that would happen? Six months? A year? More? Here's the thing. The reality is it feels like the actor strike has gone on longer than it has because the WGA has been on strike for well over 100 days now. The reality is the actors actually haven't been on strike all that long. Like, how how, how long have we now had you guys on strike for? We're at about three weeks, whereas the WGA okay. is over 100 days now. Yeah, so about three weeks, yeah. okay? The reality is if the actors' strike can get settled, say, sometime in September, I honestly don't think we're going to feel it in the local cineplex. I, I really don't think the, the release dates will get moved a little bit here and there, but I don't think we're going to hit anything like what we had with the pandemic where things were shut down right. for like like years. Not to mention you'll have A24 movies still, things like that. Yeah, there'll be other things there. There are things they have in the can. Um, so honestly, now, if the strikes go into January, February, which I do not think they will, uh, yeah, then about... A year and a bit from now, we're going to hit a thing where we're going to start to feel the effects. It's not something you'll feel the effects of right away, but like a year from now is when you'll start to feel those effects. But have you gotten any sense lately? Like, I think we were talking about that. We had a mutual friend that was saying they're hearing that's going to probably get resolved sometime in September or something like that. But have you been hearing anything or feeling anything about how much longer the actor strike could go? Most of the people I've been talking to, whether it's actors or I've got a couple of friends who are makeup artists or greensmen and... Those are people who do like shrubbery work on set. Um, it's been mostly this is being pushed to October, November mm, is what really? most things are looking like. Um, I hope that's not the case. I think with the interim agreements, too, that's going to keep all of us hanging on a little while longer, um, just keeping us afloat, especially since we can still do commercials, so much voiceover work, etc. But it's it's really looking like fall. And then, I mean, you guys know living here. Once it's after Thanksgiving, this town shuts yeah. down. It's awesome. Um, you can go anywhere you want. Yeah, Pat Oswalt <laughs> has a great joke about where it's like it's like being at the end of uh, the last man, but being able to get a sandwich whenever whenever you want. Yeah, <laughs> but like that—that's usually why I'd stay because I'd maybe get like one or two gigs where it'd be like, oh shit, a company needs a commercial really quickly, and I'm in town. But like, if this resolves in October, we all maybe get half a month of work, and then we gotta wait around till January. So. 
Yeesh. Yeah. And usually right about now is when you're doing a lot of um, Christmas product stuff, Christmas mm. films, et cetera, et cetera, too. Um, so there might be a little gap in that for those of you who really enjoy, I don't know, like made for TV Christmas movies. <laughs> I do. I do. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members who sent in your, those topics. We got through as many as that we could. And don't forget, guys, to come on back and join us again around here tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you there. And by the way, for those of you who catch this show on YouTube, we actually make this specifically for our podcast feed. And make sure you go and subscribe to the John Campus Show podcast audio feeds on your favorite podcasting app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other's wonderful podcasting services. So that way, next time you're either in your car or you're commuting, you're at the gym, you're at work, you've got the audio version there when you need it. I want to thank the people in the room, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico. <laughs> Chris Carr. Bye, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.